Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone, and it's the week of Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Brian. Happy Valentine's Day, Ash. What, uh, are we going on a date this year? What's what's going on? Yeah, you know it. Yeah, sweet, right? It's a surprise. Oh man, I'm so excited. I hope one of us uh, has a heart-shaped box with something fun in it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, I picture us picture, uh, sitting in one of those heart-shaped jacuzzis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Giving us body parts in a chocolate box. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so for Valentine's Day, we're going to be reviewing the 2009 film My Bloody Valentine in 3D, uh, directed by Patrick Glessier, starring Jensen Ackles, Jamie King, and Kerr Smith. And this is a remake of the 1981 film, and it's basically the story of this love triangle that goes down uh, in this small town that's further complicated by a serial killer who's hanging out. Um, Brian, uh, you hadn't seen this one before, right? I had not. Had you? No, no. But I, I, was it last year that we saw the original? Yeah, it was last Valentine's Day. Uh, okay. I, I remember when we picked that one, we're like, oh, this, this remake actually got way better reviews than the original. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can understand it. Yeah, me too. After after seeing it, um, I I don't think either of us were crazy about the original, were we? No, we we didn't like it. Yeah, is it is it credited? Um, like I know Black Christmas is uh credited as like an early uh, one of the original slashers. Uh, My Bloody Valentine doesn't fall into that category, does it? No, it was it's too late. It had already. We were already in peak slasher season by 1981. Still still kind of early, but yeah. Didn't really add anything meaningful to the genre at that point. No. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but then this one, uh, I was amazed uh, how successful this one is. $100.7 million on a $14 million budget. Uh, pretty wow. impressive. Right? Nice. Yeah. Nice. I forgot to check the the numbers. Yeah, that is impressive. I have a feeling it has something to do with the amount of nudity in this. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it was like a 10-minute scene. I know. I kept checking my watch. <laughs> like, well, this, this is still going on. <laughs> yeah. Just a full frontal nudity for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I guess I just always assume uh, at some point, like, someone's under threat and naked. At some point, your mind's like, oh, maybe I'll put on some clothes and it'll make this easier. But I don't know. How, how long would you run around naked for until... Uh, like, I guess, where does, like, clothing yourself fall into that flight response? Uh, it'd be a low priority for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've got no shame. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd feel a little exposed, and I feel like putting on some under would just, like, you know, make me feel better, uh, better prepared to, like, fight or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need some support. Yeah, yeah. moving around that much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> some support in some key areas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, big financial success. Did you recognize anyone uh, from this movie? Uh, Kerr Smith, who was in... I guess I didn't recognize him because I watched this first, but he was in Final Destination. It, was he also the one in Dawson's Creek? Yeah, I never watched Dawson's Creek, did you? No, but I feel like we've seen like two or three movies lately that have people from Dawson's Creek. Yeah, we have. It's like a small world. Yeah. Oh, good time to plug. Although it's probably gonna, this is be will be more than a month. Yeah. Since we did this guest spot, but Ashwin and I were guests on the hilarious podcast Lights Camera No. Yeah. Uh, our friend Whitney from our Discord server is one of the hosts, and they had us on, and it was a lot of fun. So check out their episode on Final Destination. You can find them where where you find podcasts. 
Yeah, that's, that was a really fun episode. Yeah, uh, but yeah, really fun. Right in another Dawson's Creek link there. Uh, but yeah, I think mostly these uh, actors and actresses were from TV shows. I, I didn't see like any big names. Yeah, none of it was very big. Though, although um, yeah. there is one dude who's of got quite a reputation in the horror world. Um, Tom Atkins played Burke, the sheriff, like the old sheriff. Yeah. Um, the prior sheriff, and he was in Night of the Creeps, The Fog, Halloween Three, and Creep Show. Oh wow! Among I think some other horror movies, so he's kind of like horror royalty to the the horror nerds. Wow, that's random. Because uh, even like his role isn't like critical to the plot. Do you think he's only in there as like a, a cameo? Like here's an actor who's been in so many movies. Let's throw him into this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's a little bit of draw there for sure. But he's yeah. also an actor looking for roles, and he fits the fits the bill for this part. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, he was the dad from Creep Show, the Creep Show wraparound story. Oh, okay, right. The mean dad. Oh, who yeah. Yells at his son for reading the horror comics. Yeah, yeah. Who gets what's coming to him at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. And then, uh, same with the director. I didn't really recognize much that he's done. It looks like he's done some of the, uh, movies and TV shows, but nothing huge. Yeah. He did an episode of Purge TV series. He did an Into the Dark and, um, he's doing, he did one that came out this year in 2019 called Trick. Oh yeah. That I've heard a little bit about, but I haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 I don't think that one's gotten or done too well review wise at least, but, uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we talked about Friday the 13th, uh, 3d and how like that was one of the first like wide release 3d films. Uh, this was the first R rated film in uh real D technology that had a wide release, which, uh, is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a big deal. Yeah. Though I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what real D is. Do you know what that is? <laughs> so in the Friday the 13th episode, you remember we talked about the blue and the red glasses? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, I think the real D, there may have been an in-between technology, but if not, then real D is when you stop using the red and blue and you oh. use the ones that are like, the ones that you use today. Wow. that's only I assume the-, the ones you use today are still real D or maybe it's some new technology, but... Like when you went to see Avatar and put on the glasses, <laughs> yeah. Avatar right. was in in real D. Okay. Um, and we talked about in the Friday the Thirteenth Part Three episode that they film it with two cameras uh, that are a distance apart. That's meant to like mimic the distance apart that you see things with your eyes. Yeah. So that your brain can piece together one image, and they filter the image from one camera so that like blue light gets through, and the image from other the other camera so that only red light gets through, and then that's why your lenses are red and blue. So one eye picks up the stuff from the right camera and the left eye picks up the stuff from the left camera and it pieces it together. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and this technology, Real-D, it works similarly, but it gets to a point where I don't fully understand it of like sending the footage from each camera into each eye. Um, but the one big difference is that the images are alternated on the screen. Mm-hmm. like they'll flash an image from the right camera and then an image from the left camera mm-hmm. at an imperceptible speed. Yep. Um, well, and then the with glasses... like a delay or something? Uh, between um, when they flash those two? or Well, it's just like constantly toggling back and forth between the right camera and the left camera. Oh, but it's I doing see. it so fast you can't really 
perceive it, I think. Yeah. That will. Okay. Um, and they do the right eye, left eye thing through polarization, circular polarization, which I don't really understand. Yeah. But the one image is polarized for your right eye and the other is polarized for your left eye and the glasses are polarized accordingly. Wow. Which I don't know how polarization works, but it's essentially the same principle, but yeah, but not red and blue. Damn, that's some uh, deep knowledge there. What are you like inventing three D glasses over there? So what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I've been tinkering with some some X ray glasses. DIY yeah, X ray. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were working really well during this movie, and then I realized no, it's just a ten minute nude scene. <laughs> that is working great. <laughs> yeah. I've done it. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> X-ray glasses. Ah, <laughs> uh, those those need to be a thing soon. Um, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Now now that you describe real dude, yeah, I, I totally have seen real D written on glasses, and uh, yeah, I, I can't believe that's only been around for ten years. I feel like that's been something uh, they've been handing out for a while now. But that's cool. Yeah, this was the first. We're old. Yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> time flies. Um, and then uh, another interesting thing about this film is, uh, and, and maybe this also has to do with like how old the film is, um, a core point of this movie is they're in the small town and they're selling a mine and all these people are upset that they're losing their jobs. And I kept thinking, like, this is 2009. Why do people care about like a mine shutting down? Weren't all the mines like obsolete by that point? No, man. I mean, mining is still big in, in like West Virginia and Pennsylvania and stuff. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. I thought we'd shifted uh, to like green or nuclear or something. I don't know. No, we're still pretty coal heavy. I mean, it is shifting, but. Yeah. Yeah. But also if someone, okay, yeah, so say it's shifting, we're still pretty coal dependent. Just because you sell a mine doesn't mean you're all going to lose your jobs, right? Because wouldn't someone else come over, take over the mine, and then keep the same employees there? Yeah, I mean, it uh, depends on the corporation's philosophy. True. They might bring in their own people. Yeah, that seems Which like... Which we didn't get into the corporate intrigue in My Bloody Valentine 3D. <laughs> they they never go into the interesting bits like that. <laughs> You're always weirdly interested in the business yeah. goings on. I think, I know. what, was it Child's Play 2 that you wanted to know more about the company? Uh, yeah. Yeah, when it started out and that thing was malfunctioning and the company was taking a loss on the that product. Yeah, man, that's... <laughs> Some R and D stuff going on there. Yeah, I mean, just you know, in, in general, it's it's always cheaper to keep your labor force versus replacing them, hiring and training. I mean, everyone knows that. So I was just surprised, like what what their uh, the new uh, entity's strategy was going to be. Yeah, I mean, they might have an existing labor force that they're relocating or something. Huh. Well, then that could be good for the town overall. A new population moving in. Maybe that grocery store she worked at would get a, a remodel. Maybe a Walmart would come in. Open up some new jobs. There's a lot of like trickle down effect that could have happened here. Oh God! <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Pause the podcast and argue for a while and record some more. Yeah. This is like your uh, when you went on a rant about the fact that the moon landing could have been fake in the Shining episode. Oh man, you still think it's real? Anyway, moving on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any uh, any other background uh, on the film? Any connections to Ohio? Uh, yeah. So parts of this film were filmed in a mine near Pittsburgh, and the giant coal bed underneath Pittsburgh is called the Pittsburgh Coal Seam, and that extends into Ohio. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And that's still yeah. like an active coal mine. Yep. Cool. Yep. All right. Yeah. Pretty neat. 
Uh, you're, Pretty neat. Hey, oh, one other fun tidbit is that this ranked number three on the opening the weekend that it opened, and number one that weekend was Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> Paul Blart beat this out. Yep. Wow, that's so surprising. How 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 long is the nudity scene in a Paul Blart? Is it just <laughs> is it just Kevin James on the <laughs> on that scooter? A strategically placed segue. <laughs> yeah, that segue. <laughs> Damn, can't top that. Yeah. Uh, hey, you ever been down in a mine by any chance? No, have you? I think I was. Yeah, once when I was a kid, I a guy went down in one as like part of a a field trip. Um, I don't remember where it was, but it was it was interesting. It also might have been a dream, but I'm pretty sure it happened. <laughs> I've been in uh, like big caverns, like um, oh shoot, what's it called? Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. Oh which is yeah, like miles and miles of underground trails. Sure. Yeah, that's a famous it's one. Pre- pretty cool. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, great. Uh, anything else before we uh, take a break? Nope, that's it. All right, cool. Well, uh, let's take a look at the plot. Uh, we'll get into some spoilers and give our review of the film. Uh, but before we do that, I need to take a quick break. I think my uh, laundry load just finished. I got to go switch it out. So I'll be right nope. back. All right, cool. All right. Hey Brian, I'm back. Yeah? That laundry going okay? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just about dry. Uh, actually, you know, our, our cleaning lady came over uh, earlier, and she was doing the laundry. Uh, and then I realized I didn't have enough to pay her, so I just threw her in the dryer, and uh, I saved 100 bucks. which is a pretty, pretty good deal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but what about the expense of hiring someone new? Oh, man, you're so right. <laughs> didn't think about that, did Could, you? Yeah, true. No, I, I, I totally botched my business case in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, All right. So uh, we'll talk about the plot, and we're going to hit some spoilers here. Um, And so this movie, it opens up 10 years uh, in the past. So whenever this movie takes place, the opening's 10 years in the past from that. And it opens with uh, this kind of this news update going on that there's been this uh, killing spree in, in like, a local mine where there was some kind of explosion. A bunch of people died. There were some survivors but the one dude that, uh, one of the survivors killed everyone else to conserve oxygen, I guess. Uh, which, you know, you have serial killers and then you have people who kill people, uh, to survive. I I don't know. Uh, is that a gray area? If... Yes, gray area. It was interesting because he did that like to survive, and then he went on and just killed a bunch more people for fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Kind of like, Wait, what? I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, in one case, it makes sense, and then yeah, then he wakes up in this hospital and just like brutally murders everybody. Which like that's like five minutes into the movie that we see all these like crazy hospital uh, deaths. Yeah, this movie was gory. Yeah, yeah, and then did uh, not shy away from that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, this guy was it was in a coma for a year. He wakes up. And and then he murders everyone at this hospital. We just see all these like dead bodies scattered around the hospital, pretty gory, as Brian mentioned. Uh, meanwhile, at the coal mine, uh, you know, while these killings are going on, there's some teenagers that are partying, and we're introduced to this guy named Axel, his girlfriend Irene, and then Sarah, who's one of the main characters, and her boyfriend Tom, who's another main character. Uh, they're all high schoolers. They're partying there, and then Harry Warden, who is that serial killer from the mine. He shows up and starts killing everyone. Um, did you notice that uh, they did the whole eye pop out thing again? 
Yeah, they did. From and that's from like Friday the Thirteenth 3D, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's kind of familiar. Yeah. Uh, this movie did a better job with the 3D. Uh, I felt like. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, it also had like 20 years though on the other one, right? On Friday the Thirteenth. Well, it did, but I think it just did a better job of when to use it and how to use it and using it to greater effect. Because, I mean, neither of us actually saw the 3D effects in either of these movies, but, because you can't on a TV unless you're, like, five years ago. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) But you could just tell, like, the opportunity. They took advantage of the opportunities a bit better, and they didn't, like do it with such cheesy stuff, like, go out of the way, like, oh, here's someone juggling. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's someone a good playing point. paddle ball. It, yeah, in terms of how it was embedded in the plot, it made a lot more sense than just, like, yeah. random. Uh, that's true. I, I appreciated that. Uh, so, yeah, Harry Warden's going around killing all these high schoolers in the mine. Sarah, Axel, and Irene and uh, Tom are running away, but uh, I think Tom gets uh, left behind while the other three of them kind of hop in the car and uh, we see Tom, you know, being chased by Harry, and he almost gets, he almost gets killed, but then these cops show up and shoot him before that happens. Um, I thought this was kind of a fun opener. What did, what did you think? Yeah, yeah, sure. It was fun. Yeah, I also liked the, the minor costume. Uh, did you feel like that was... Was that a lot different than the original? Uh, boy, I don't remember. I feel like they were similar. I actually th- think that's a creepy thing about the original too. Is how like that what they what those miners wear? Yeah. 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 That's one. gas mask and stuff. Yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, okay, so basically uh, that all happens, and then we jump ten years into the future, and um, basically there's been this like big switch of partners. So Sarah actually ended up marrying Axel, and now they have a kid. Um, we also find out that Axel is. Uh, sleeping with this employee of Sarah's whose name is Megan um, and on Valentine's Day Megan lets Axel know that uh, she's pregnant which pretty great Valentine's Day gift <laughs> from your from your girlfriend on the side <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> a box of chocolates uh, and cut it we also find out that Axel is sheriff now oh right and they, I love the way they do this it's like a news story and the camera zooming in on the news anchor and the sheriff is Standing next to her with his back to the camera, which, yeah. why? On a local <laughs> news station, would you stand with your back to the camera yeah. for a while? Then he turns around to make this, like, big reveal, like, whoa, Axel Sheriff now? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a real, like, angry interview. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of just, like, acting all uh, pissed off. Uh, yeah, that's a funny reveal. Um, so uh, Tom, who was dating Sarah in that uh, scene from 10 years ago, Turns out he's been missing since the attack. He just kind of uh, went off. But he now shows up back to the town, and he's there to sell the mine. So I guess his dad owned that mine, and his dad recently passed away. And people in the town are hating him for it. Uh, His first night, he stays at this motel where Axel's old girlfriend, Irene, that we saw in the beginning, is there. And uh, she's naked, having sex with some dude. Um, it's, it's It's kind of a funny scene. Like She's like all about like herself. And uh, it's it's kind of a cheesy like sex scene, which I thought was kind of funny. You think it was good? Yeah, yeah. Wikipedia called it an energetic sex scene. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I guess a lot of the scene was like her idea, like how long she stays naked for, and, the, and everything she does here. Yeah, I think it sounds like they kept trying to do it with her, like grabbing a sheet and holding it up, and it just wasn't working. And she's like, "Screw it, I'll do it naked." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and yeah, boy, did she. 
yeah exactly so for the next 20 minutes uh so she's she has sex that they she gets in a fight with a guy that uh you know she's sleeping with and then uh he's walking out to his truck and he opens the door and this the miner is there and a dude in a miner costume and he murders the guy she was uh sleeping with and then uh he comes out and Irene's there she's naked in the parking lot and so there's like this 10-15 minute scene of uh him like chasing her through the hotel um, and I thought this was pretty creative because at some point she's hiding under a bed and then he finds her and she's using the bed as a way to like kind of defend herself. Um, yeah. that was, I thought that was kind of creative. I've never seen something like that. To, to hide under a bed? Uh, no, like once the mattress is taken off to like use the bed mattress or frame as like a, a defense mechanism when oh, she's like against shield. the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it w- I guess it wasn't very smart. You would have spent that time putting on your underwear for support. Oh, man. Then he wouldn't have recognized me. <laughs> like, wait, I was chasing a naked dude. Who's this guy with the underwear? I must have the <laughs> wrong guy. <laughs> That's what I kept thinking she was going to do, like put on clothes, and then she wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't recognize her. But <laughs> might have worked. Uh, the guy I was chasing had three legs, and this dude only has two. Yeah. <laughs> wrong guy. I'll move on. <laughs> My bad. Uh, so she gets killed, uh, and the town's on alert, and uh, a lot of people are passing around the rumor that Harry Warden is back. And uh, there's also some suspicion that Tom, who's you know just come back into town after 10 years, is uh, the one who's doing it. And at the same time, he's kind of falling in love with Sarah again, uh, the sheriff's uh, wife and t- uh, Tom's ex-girlfriend, or old girlfriend. Um so Tom ends up going to the mine to talk about uh, not selling it because, you know, he's kind of convinced, like, or maybe I shouldn't do this. And while he's there, the serial killer shows up, locks him in a cage, and kills this dude in front of him. Um, so I, I think in this scene, we kind of, I, I, mean, I mean, like, who, who did you think the killer was at this point? Yeah, I mean, you want to believe it's Tom, but then you see Tom in the same room with the killer. Yeah, yeah, and he's, like, locked in this cage and can't get out of there while the killer's out at- there. At this point, I thought that it could have been the girl that Axel was cheating with. Oh, yeah, Megan? Yeah, because she had the motivation to kill everyone that she killed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like Irene was an ex of his. And, yep. Yeah. yeah, and she was kind of like uh, dropping... Uh, I mean, yeah, she had a motive for sure. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, uh, what... Um, oh, okay. So then... Uh, Tom's uh, out of, gets out of the cage. The the cops come. There's like a lot of anger being thrown at each other, and and, it, and the backstory is like Tom and the sheriff are always like kind of going at each other. The sheriff's like, you know, getting a little jealous that Tom's here and like his wife used to date him. Tom's like throwing these like the shade at the sheriff, like uh, you know, I'm I, like I, I just like cheesy lines about how uh, his wife probably like loves Tom more than he loves her. Like I thought it was kind of immature. What would you think of all that? Yeah, yeah, the uh, the infighting in this town is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's this weird, like, love triangle going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so the movie carries on, so this killer's going around killing people. Tom, Axel, and Sarah are in this, uh, you know, ongoing thing, like, oh, don't trust him, and, like, no, don't trust her. And they're just kind of, like, trying to uh, pin it on each other. Like, Tom's trying to make Sarah suspicious of Axel. Axel's doing the same for Sarah against Tom. So they both are trying to win Sarah over. Um, there's this cool attack on Sarah and Megan, and this is probably where you figure out that the killer probably isn't Megan, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and and this is at, at a grocery store uh, where the killer shows up and hunts both of them, and then uh, we see the killer go to the to Sarah's house and stuff a housekeeper into their dryer. Which how is a sheriff and a grocery store uh, worker? How how do they have a housemaid? Hmm. Good question. Or was it just the babysitter? Um, I don't know. I saw her folding laundry. Do babysitters do that? Yeah, sure. Oh. Ours do that. Oh, really? Oh, that's that's really nice. Do you have to do you have to yeah. pay extra for that? Um, it's not like a separate line item. I don't item. know. I think it's kind of it's maybe not like explicitly spelled out. Like yeah, for another dollar an hour, I'll do your laundry. But yeah, you expect a little more of the people that you pay more. Huh, man. And we, t- I mean, we have a babysitter for like daytime like while we're working yeah so like date night babysitter may not fold your laundry but yeah but it, daytime, it depends daytime that's more of a daytime babysitter gig yeah maybe i don't know maybe it's a nighttime thing too okay well, yeah that's that's pretty nice uh yeah so maybe it was a babysitter and she gets uh killed in a dryer any any of these like kills uh stand out to you or how, how did you feel about all of them i thought one of the standout ones we kind of walked by already with the uh the naked lady in the hotel using her the bed frame as a shield. Yeah, that was a fun as she's one. hiding under the bed. She sees the whoever runs the hotel. I guess she's the hotel manager. She walks in like looking for her cat or something, or trying to see what's going on. Yeah, and she's a, a little person, mm-hmm. and the killer swings his like pickaxe so hard up into her chin that he like pins her to the ceiling like he lifts her off the air and pins her to the ceiling yeah yeah which was so outrageous that it was it was kind of entertaining (laughs) yeah i yeah i I like that that his weapon was like a pickaxe throughout the whole film that made for like some really cool gory uh kills yeah and they like went into full like all right what can a pickaxe do yeah yeah they explored every aspect of that in vivid 3d detail yeah yeah exactly which i appreciated that they went that extra mile that the first movie didn't or maybe it did and it was edited down because that yeah. one had to be cut quite a bit for the censors yeah the it felt very forgettable MPAA. right mm-hmm. uh yeah th- these ones I, I feel like these kills are really good 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 effects and uh pretty good uh sequencing yeah um so finally we're at the end of the film sarah's running around in this mine um she's being chased by the the killer in a mask and then in the mine she runs into both axel and tom and they both are trying to convince her that the other one is the killer, and she doesn't know who to believe. But then time, Tom kind of slips some information that only the killer would have known. Uh, in terms of like, I, I think at one of the scenes, the killer wrote something in blood, and um, she realizes that uh, you know Tom wouldn't have known that unless he had been there. So right, yeah, and then classic slip up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you, you going to do? A lot, lot to keep track of. <laughs> uh, but then. Uh, Tom sees the killer pop up behind uh, Sarah, and, and we're like, "Whoa! There's a there's someone else. It's not Tom or uh, Axel." But uh, neither Sarah nor Axel can see the killer, and we realize that the killer was actually in Tom's head the whole time, and so it was Tom going around killing people, and uh, it was just kind of like a, a mental thing where he would uh, see, he was like so traumatized from being uh, you know pursued by the killer ten years ago that. He had it in his head that the killer was doing it when it was actually him. Is that is that what your understanding of it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, re- really interesting twist. Uh, yeah, but it also then felt kind of cheap that we saw the killer and Tom together. Yeah, I know. In the prior scene. Uh, yep, yep. 
Yeah, so there was that. I, I just always, that's a pet peeve of mine. I hate when movies do that. Like, oh, because you know the viewer's going to be like, oh, it can't be them. They're in the same room together. Yeah, right. Unless. It's not totally <laughs> uncommon. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's happened a few times. And, and you're right. It's kind of like a cheap trick uh, to do that on the viewer. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, if, if you think about, like, in the mine scene when we see Tom and the killer in one shot and, uh, they, you know, the killer locks Tom in that cage. There was like kind of a mirroring effect that like when he gets up, the killer gets up with him. Uh, I did, did, yeah. did you notice that? Yeah, that was a little bit of a clue. Yeah, a little bit, right? Like they were moving in sync for a split second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, uh, I feel like one general rule of thumb in these movies is like whoever everyone is suspicious of, and in this case, like I feel like Tom was the one that had the most suspicion because he just showed up to town and these kills start happening. You can always like almost a hundred percent like rule them out because they're like the ones who people think it is, and it never is that person. Did, did you have a sense yeah. of that? Yeah, but this time it was. Yeah, yeah, which I, I thought was kind of an oddball move. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I mean, it got it got me. Yeah, yeah, stumped. Shame to admit. <laughs> me too. Uh, so then, uh, I don't. I, I think Tom kind of like becomes the killer or whatever. Like he kind of realizes that he is, and he starts chasing Axel and Sarah. They manage to escape and, and shoot him, and you know some. Uh, I think an explosion happens, and the mine kind of falls on him. But the movie ends with Axel and Sarah reconciling, which again was a, a big surprise, given Sarah knew that Axel had been having this affair. And then we see Tom sneak out of the mine dressed as one of the rescue workers. So uh, I guess like it almost sets itself up uh, for a sequel or something. I'd... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but four D. 40 damn they're just waiting for like that next wave of technology yeah smell a vision yeah it's coming it's gonna smell real bad <laughs> all, that, all that sulfur from the mine it's gonna be some dude farting the whole time uh yeah there's a lot to smell on this movie yeah yeah uh so yeah what, what did you think what did you like and, and didn't like about this film um you know, I almost like don't have much to say about it. It's just such a popcorn movie. Yeah. Like I thought that the kills were really cool and inventive and they took the right path, just going really gory and over the top with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they tr- they pulled off the 3D better than Friday the 13th did just with what they chose to make 3D uh, and, and how they how they shot the kills and stuff. Totally. Um, and the whodunit thing was... It, you know, it did kind of trick me. So it was enough to keep me engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, the dialogue was pretty bad. The acting was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was an entertaining movie overall. What did you think? I, I agree. I, th- I think you described it like best. It is basically a popcorn movie. And I feel like it doesn't try to be more than a popcorn movie, which I, I got to give it props for. Like it comes in setting that expectation and it kind of delivers exactly on that like great kills cool mask uh you know good nude scene uh fun 3d effects that don't feel like forced and uh great uh some you know romantic tension which we all need from time to time uh but yeah you're a really good kind of costuming and and design uh so yeah i kind of agree it was was just kind of a fun watch without like going above and beyond yeah once that extended nude scene happened i was just like okay this movie knows exactly what it is <laughs> yeah it's not trying and it's to embracing it yeah you gotta give the movies props for that i don't feel like enough movies uh just do that right like have a fun time yeah okay. yeah agreed yeah 
uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's like too much that stuck out here. Um, you know, I did think it was weird. Uh, none of the like Sarah, Axel, Irene, none of those guys ever said sorry to Tom for leaving him behind in that opening scene, which was never brought up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that could have been what broke him. Yeah, yeah. Because they make a point of showing him like looking up and seeing them drive away. Right. Yeah, and and uh, and that's like he never like brings that up or like kind of guilt stripped him about it. Which is surprising. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. O- overall, uh, yeah, you're you're okay with like the acting. Yeah, I mean, it, I w- it wasn't good, but not enough to <laughs> keep me from enjoying the movie. I mean, it had enough else going for it. Yeah, yeah. If they hadn't have like settled into the over the top gore, um, it would have been a different story on how I felt about the movie. Oh. just because that made it kind of fun. Yeah, but, yeah, it's but a- yeah. It's because I usually don't enjoy a over-the-top core, but it, it felt like okay in this film in terms of how they did it. Um, yeah, man, it, it has a place. Yeah. And and this this kind of gore it was like over-the-top enough where it almost didn't feel real. It was kind of like comical. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, I feel like that's my favorite over-the-top core where it's just amusing. Yeah. Yeah, right. And not, not like too real. I like that too. Yeah. Uh, the very real gore can have a bit of a place for me if it's making me more afraid. Like, oh sure, oh gosh, like what's gonna happen to this this next? Like Terrifier, I didn't like that movie, <laughs> but the yeah. gore was enough to be like, oh no, I don't even want to see what he does to yeah, the next person. Yeah, I don't want to see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one had a really good balance. It it wasn't like that. Yeah. Uh, hey, one uh, topic that I, I thought, um, you know, we, we've seen like this Valentine's Day movie, we've seen like Christmas movies, the Halloween franchise, these holiday movies. Do you feel like they capitalize enough on the holiday itself? Like, was Valentine's Day even a big enough, uh, uh, you know, uh, character in this movie, I guess? It wasn't nearly as much as it was in the first one because they were having a Valentine's Day party and the whole town had this Valentine's Day parade, I think, that they did every year. The whole town was decorated. Yeah. So it was a big enough part of the first one, but yeah, in this one it was just yeah, it was just a remake, and they didn't really touch on the fact that it was Valentine's Day yeah. at all. Yeah, aside from the fact that the murders happened on Valentine's Day. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, every, every now and then, like you'd see a box of candy, but even that was like really pushed far into the back. And I, actually, I think they had one box that had a heart in it, um, but that was that was kind of it. I, I feel like they could have dialed that up a lot more, uh, like the original. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, agreed, agreed. I think a lot of times they just they tack it on there to as a bit of a gimmick, and the plot really doesn't revolve around it too much. Yeah, that bums me out because you have this title that uh, you basically own the IP now on that holiday and horror movies, and you're not gonna like milk it for all it's worth. It's like, damn, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but you know, it worked better than the first movie did. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Speaking of uh, Valentine's Day boxes and hearts in boxes, how many bleeding hearts in a Valentine's Day box would you give this one? Uh, I would give it three hearts in a heart-shaped box. Ah, that's pretty good. I, I had three and a half. Oh wow! Look at guess. you. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a decent, like, a, a fun watch. This right. Is good. Yeah. So it's three and a half times better than Doctor Sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's for you. Yeah. Exactly. Everything now is just in units of doctor sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy. Yeah, a one. Uh, and so, and so, you agree? It's it is about like three and a half times better than doctor sleep. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page on this one. Yeah, three and a half times. 
Come on, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> just At least, like, there was, uh, you know, some real, like, scares going on here and uh, good good kills. It was, yeah. It was fun. There were good kills. I'll give it that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no Rebecca Ferguson, though. That, I think I would have liked it more if Rebecca Ferguson was in it. It definitely would have helped. Sure. Um, anything else to add on this one? Uh, I think that's all I got. Not right. much to say about this movie. Yeah, it's no, fun. it's pretty, pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Well, then that's it for our discussion on My Bloody Valentine 3D. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help other people find our show. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with the other few uh, listeners and other horror fans, so you can find that link on our website. We also have a Patreon page in case you want to throw some change our way. You can find us at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. And our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you have an ex-boyfriend that shows up, or ex-girlfriend that shows up on your doorstep uh, after 10 years or so, uh, just call the sheriff up and, uh, and check the medical history. <laughs> oh yeah, he was in a medical hospital that whole time. Yeah, right? Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> Joke landed. <laughs> yes. Thank you.